The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. It's a contemplative Tuesday here on Bird 365. Mm. Hey, you got your Mac and Mac guys back together again. John McMullen has made his way successfully back from the Mile High City. How are you this morning, Mr. Mac? I'm doing well. Uh, plucky. Although I didn't make it through most of last night's game. I was out. I was out pretty quick. Uh, didn't plan on it, but just hit you. That time change thing and jet lag and the like can get the better of you. Oh, by the way, didn't miss a whole hell of a lot in the second no, half. Right? Evidently. Got the, you know what, kicked out of him in the first half. And yes, the 49ers doubled down and did it through them in the second half. So uh, you didn't miss much. I'll fill in any blanks. It looked like but... they ran the football to do it. Uh, yeah, working here in Philadelphia and working for San Francisco as well, at least last night uh, in L.A. Uh, we will talk about a bunch of things around the National Football League, but certainly first and foremost, the Birds. 30 to 13, J Mac. Both you and I sat here on Friday and picked the Eagles to beat the Denver Broncos and, and upset because they were an underdog going into the game. Yeah, I had no thought process that had them winning by more than two touchdowns, 30 to 13. They kind of clicked on all cylinders. As you're watching it, what was the impression that was running through your head? Honestly, I was angry at myself because I knew they were going to win this game and I thought they were going to win it handily, but I kind of hedged and I said, "Ah, I don't want to look like an idiot if they show up and lay an egg, but talking to the coaches leading up to this game, you just got the sense that they knew this was number one. It was a wounded team. Um, I talked about it a lot last week about how well they played in Dallas and it was a bunch of young guys. They have so many of their better. I think people don't realize all three of their starting linebackers gone. Both of their starting offensive tackles out. You know, I, I got the distinct feeling that they said, uh, this is, this is a good matchup for us at this particular time. And, and, and they were coming off that, that win, as I said, and people were patting them on their backs and how good they were. And it's just natural, especially for younger players to start, you know, feeling themselves. And all of a sudden, the NFL's got a way to punch you right in the mouth the, the exact next week. We talk about this league all the time. It's week to week. You know, you can't explain. How does Washington beat Tampa Bay? How does Denver beat Dallas? Anybody can beat anybody in this league. But the, the trick is consistency and, and doing it from week to week and being a really good football team. I, I just thought it was a really good spot for the Eagles. And they, they to their credit, they took advantage of it, and they they pretty much dominated. Now, it got a little hairy in the second half at the beginning. Remember, the fourth and one, the big play that essentially sealed the game. Denver was on the move, and, you know, they had a chance to get right back in that game if they convert that fourth and one. It goes the other way. Darius Slay, city fumbles versus country fumbles, takes it the house against the fat guys, the 13 personnel. I could say that because I'm a fellow fat guy. So, um, you know, Darius is a 
funny guy, but uh, that was the that was the the death knell for the Broncos, and they just weren't capable with those tackles. They just couldn't hold up. Now you were between Eagles winning and Eagles winning handily, and you didn't have nerve enough to get to uh, handily. I up until when we had Brandon Cristal on our show last week, reporter for the uh, yeah, he kind of knew it too. By the way. I Rob, saw Brandon yeah. in the press box. He oh, you did? Knew, yeah, he kind of knew it, too. Did he come over and say hi? Yeah, he was sitting like five feet away from me. Uh, good he was chatting good. throughout the game. He is a very good man, and he's a damn good reporter. And I got to give him thanks. I got to shoot him a text. I meant to do it yesterday. I will do it today. Because he's the guy who put me over the top in picking the Eagles. I was sitting squarely on top of the fence. I thought they had a chance. I thought it was a toss-up game. I surely was impressed by what they did against the Cowboys. But when he came on with us and ran down the litany of injuries that the Broncos were dealing with and the fact that he wasn't sure they weren't going to come into the game with the right mindset, that maybe they were smelling themselves a little bit after that Cowboy win and they've got the bye week this upcoming week, that maybe, just maybe, it was going to be a tweener week, that it was going to be a week that they don't come out and throw their best punch. And that was enough for me to pick the Eagles to win by a field goal. Um, so he did kind of put me over the top. But both you and I had the Eagles walking away with a victory. And a victory is one thing. But J-Mac, and uh, we certainly went through this yesterday with Jeff Kerr here in your stat on the show. The reason why I think Eagle fans should be buoyed and uh, maybe even a little excited about this football team is they checked all the boxes on Sunday. They stuck to their offensive philosophy. They ran the football, both running backs over 80 yards, throwing another 50-plus for uh, Hertz. When they needed to throw the ball, this is just common-sense football. If you can run it, the other team has to play you honestly. It should open guys up and give you the ability to complete passes. Jalen Hurts, 70% completion rate. That's because they ran the ball as effectively as they did. So offense, check, check. Defense. Jonathan Gannon pushed up a little bit. He got the corners up and playing a little tighter on the outside. There's some blitzing, not a lot. I would have still liked to see more. Don't we always here in Philadelphia want to see more blitzing? But he did bring it a couple of times. And kudos to the front four for getting some pressure on their own, even when they weren't given a helping hand. Check, check. And then had special teams, the big uh, blocked kick which, oh, by the way, we saw the great return by uh, Darius Slay. If Alex Singleton had been able to scoop that uh, cleanly, I think he could have been off to the races, as a matter of fact. He just couldn't come up with it, so he ended up falling on it. But uh, J-Mac, they excelled in each and every nuance and every uh, team of the game, specials, defense, offense. Check, check, check. Yeah, a very reminiscent of the Carolina game in that aspect where they had the uh, the block punt, they had the decent return, but a little more consistency offensively in this one. So this was probably their best performance um, to date, I would say. Uh, and, you know, a lot of it is I, when it's good, I say I add the context. When it's bad, I add the context. It, this was a really banged up team, really, really banged up team. I just mentioned it. I say it all the time. And one of the reasons I was a little bit more optimistic, and so were you, about the Eagles' chances before the season is because of the offensive line of the Eagles. 
which even though they've been banged up is turning out to be true because it's a really good group. And even the younger players, when you take advantage of what they do well, Landon Dickerson, Jack Driscoll, I'm talking about, which is big guys going straight ahead, beating people up. Other teams, I've been I've been screaming it from the rooftops. Other teams in this league do not have depth on the offensive line. Garrett Bowles and, and Bobby Massey. Garrett Bowles is a is a solid left tackle. Not great, solid. Bobby Massey's probably a, a under uh, average starter in this league. Uh, average, if you want to be kind. So when you don't have those guys and you're playing guys who aren't better than those guys. That's that's where you got to go. And you mentioned the blitzing with Jonathan Gannon. He didn't have to blitz. Why are you going to blitz if you don't have to blitz? Doesn't make any sense whatsoever. He knew that. And this was a very positive step for Jonathan Gannon because he knew what he was facing. And one of the reasons I was so uh, confident in the Eagles winning this football game is from talking to the coaches because they knew. They saw it. They saw it. They're the ones who alerted me to it and said, you know, this is – this is this is a nice matchup at this particular time. Now, if those guys were in there, if Alexander Johnson wasn't hurt, if Josie Jewell wasn't hurt, um, they had a third linebacker, maybe you know, Baron Browning gets hurt during the game, that I might have changed my thought process. But they weren't available. The, the Eagles took advantage of it. It was a tremendous job, and, and everybody contributed, and it worked out uh, beautifully. And Johnny Mac, uh, I was uh, on WIP last night, got a couple hours on after uh, Monday Night Football, and I did get a couple of calls I was happy to uh, see that were ready to cut the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles a little bit more slack because the guy has certainly been more under scrutiny than he has been anticipatory since he got the head coaching job. Uh, all the way back to his first ever press conference, which he didn't have the answers for and didn't sound all that sure about himself and the job he was going to be tasked to do. I cut him some slack that day. I've been cutting him slack ever since. And yesterday was one of those days where after being cut some slack, he stepped up and delivered, had a really good game plan in place, deployed his players tremendously on offense, um, again, Jalen Hurts seems to be growing on the job. I know last week we were talking about Howie Roseman scouting college quarterbacks, and we will do that again later. It's not like it's going to disappear. I said last night on my radio show, he didn't throw that scouting report out the window or uh, burn the tapes that they have from that game. Oh, they'll keep their options open. But one of the options now is Jalen Hurts, and he's stepping up and playing better football. And I think part of that is – that Nick Sirianni's calling a better game plan. Supposedly, audible into a couple of right decisions. So give Jalen Hurts credit for that. Uh, the guy who everyone seemed to be worried about his accuracy do it pretty darn accurately for me on Sunday. Yeah, well, a, a couple things. He certainly, the first half was tremendous. I mean, 15 for 20, um, his, his best 30 minutes of football, um, I think as a professional, no, unquestionably, I don't even think it was close. He was tremendous in the first half. Second half got a little bit hairy, especially at the beginning. I think there was, there was a three and out. Uh, then on the second drive um, was the interception, which is really Kenny Gainwell's fault more right. than Jalen Hurts' fault. Um, 
and it was kind of ugly from an offense. I, I thought they lost a little bit of a sense of urgency. Natural, you know, they they were they were thumping them in the first half, came out a little bit flat in the second half, and that's when Denver had that short, really small window to get back in the game, and they had the fourth and one, and Melvin Gordon uh, gets football knocked out by Davian Taylor. Darius Slay goes to the house, over, game over. And that's how quickly. I, you know, then you could just run the football. Game's out of reach. You just run it. You're running it effectively. Jalen Hurts ends up completing one pass in the second half. That's where you want to be as the Eagles go. But when you bring up better game plan, better game plan, I don't think it's that. I think the Eagles found out. The Eagles went into this season thinking, all right, how do we maximize Jalen Hurts? And they went into the season, I think most people thought, Okay, you got to go RPO heavy. You got to you got to take advantage of, of of what he did well at the college level. That was their thought process. Didn't work. Turns out they shift it. They go in a different direction. You know, Jordan Howard has a lot to do with it, which is such a weird. We'll we'll have to get into that. Such a weird uh, thing going on there that we have to talk about, but. They're running the football. They're going to play action, more of the sort of meshing play action with 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 read option a little bit, but more, uh, which Philadelphia fans love, run the football behind the good offensive line, limit the passing opportunities, play from the lead, and Jalen Hurts is more effective. I think that surprised even the coaching staff that he's more effective doing that with the play action stuff than the RPO stuff when it comes to the passing game. Running game, he can run the football. RPO, any offense you run, he's going to run the football well. He's going to add that to your offense. Everybody knows that. That's not in doubt. The other stuff, you know, how do you maximize the passing? They're quickly finding out that they were wrong at the beginning of the season. And to their credit, they have shifted. And that's the that's the mark of a good coach. And I've been saying it for a couple of weeks now. Look, it's a, it's a, it's it's not a high bar, but Nick Sirianni, and I, you know, may have called to Jeffrey Lurie a little bit too. Nick Sirianni is the best rookie head coach in this league, and that includes Brandon Staley, who we lost to. But Brandon Staley um, has a lot more talent than Nick Sirianni. So when you add the context into it. He's the best rookie head coach in this league. I don't uh, necessarily disagree, and I stand by what I said. Uh, Credit to Nick Sirianni. Give him credit for improved play calling and system. You're right. He came out in RPO heavy football for the first six, seven weeks of the season. Let's try something else. Oh, something else works. Yeah, let's stick with this. Let's go with a regular uh, under center quarterback and actually give him a play action pass rather than an RPO option. And I think Jalen Hurts is a really smart football player. We know he handles himself very well, both before the game and after the game. He talks a very good game. And I think he's a smart quarterback on the field. There are guys that just because they have more experience are much further along in the development in the NFL. But for a guy who's still hasn't played an entire season of starts. If you consider 16 starts an entire season, he hasn't gotten there yet in his NFL career. He certainly moved the needle nicely. The guy to make the call to change that was Nick Sirianni. So I'm saying give him credit for the adjustment 
that he made. RPO heavy. We don't need us uh, not working. Let's move on to the next thing. And it has worked significantly better. And that's why I'm giving the coach a lot of credit. That's a coaching adjustment that I think he's made that people just have to give him a ton of credit for. Yeah, no, that, that's exactly what I said. Um, you know, when I just you, don't know why you corrected me when I said it. Well, I didn't correct you. I was just giving you my opinion. Uh, you you mentioned play calling. That's where we, I guess, we differ. I don't yeah, think it well, was necessarily. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you consider going from an RPO based offense to a regular NFL offense a change in play calling? Now, well, it's a change in play calling, but larger than that, it's a change in scheme. It's a change in the system, which is the more important part than the play calling. They thought, and they weren't the only ones who thought, and this is where I give them credit, that the best way to move forward, as I said, with Jalen Hurts would be to do what he did well in college. Um, and they weren't the only ones who felt that philosophy. Um so I, I don't criticize him for going into the season. And a lot of coaches would just, you know, continue to stay in the same position and pound the square peg in the round hole. And I think it's it, – and Nick Sirianni talked about this dating back to his days in Indianapolis with the three different quarterbacks. And he mentioned, no, I'm going to morph my system. Turns out he was correct. A lot of people didn't believe him. Turns out he was correct. He realized – what he thought he did well is not necessarily what he does well. And he changed. And that's why I call him the best rookie head coach in this league. And I've been calling him that for a couple of weeks now. Yeah. And there was a bunch of new coaches in the national football league and you can match his accomplishments with the talent level on this roster with absolutely any of the other new coaches in the NFL on that. We agree. All right. John McMullen, Jordan McDonald, your Mac and Mac birds, three sixty five guys. We'll get the Big Mac Daddy coming up next. The uh, guy I've been working with for a long time. Good to get him up for the first time here on Birds 365. I used to call him the G-Spot. Gary Cobb. G. Cobb's going to join us next here on Birds At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Basketball is part of how we grew up in this city, and every morning, 
IBEW Local 98 members take their best shot building this city, rescuing our community from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are, like the Hawks who will never die. Local 98 members love tradition. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. A Tuesday edition of Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. McMullen and McDonald with you. Look who's up. Yeah. Uh, played how many years here in Philadelphia, G4? I know we finish out. We try and keep that two years with the Cowboys to finish <laughs> off the career <laughs> under wraps. But how many years you put in in Eagle Green, big guy? Uh, it was just three years here. Um, I played six in uh, in Detroit. And three here, and then you know, two down there. <laughs> other place. Yeah, you got to get to the decade, G Cop. We'll, we'll, we'll forgive that. But uh, you know, I want to talk about we got a linebacker here. I want to talk about linebackers because I think one of the understated uh, parts of this team kind of pointing itself in the right direction has been the move away from Eric Wilson putting TJ Edwards into the game. Nick Sirianni talked about it after this game the physicality that T.J. Edwards has brought to this defense. Look, they're trying to legislate, you know, Gary, they're trying to legislate physicality out of this game. But when when physical guys show up, it still means something. And he's Uh, sticking people. That's right, without a doubt. You know, and really, you know, that was part of what we were talking about with the offense, with the running game and everything, because, you know, it brings a certain confidence to a team, you know, when you're able to, really kind of exert your will on, on uh, the opponent. And really, T.J. Edwards, I really like what he's doing. And, you know, it, it's it's amazing that you'd have to make that big of a deal out of it. But when you see the offensive line coming at you, you attack them. You don't wait there for them. And that's what he does. And he's a he's an aggressive player. You can see him before the snap. He's, he's leaning forward, which you should be on the early downs. Even though this is a passing league now, and they definitely have to have people in there that, you know, can, can uh, run with people and, uh, you know, and defend the pass. But the way T.J. Edwards has just reading his keys, attacking the line of scrimmage, and then the other things, which is if you look at the linemen, a lot of times when the big guys get tired, they don't care if they're tipping off where they're going with the ball, you know. So they start leaning, and you and if you really study them, uh, they a lot of times they'll kind of let you know the play that's getting ready to be run, and T.J. Edwards does a good job of looking at the uh, the, the uh, formation, uh, reading that, studying what the other team does, and you can see he's got he's got instincts and some things you just cannot teach. 
You know, either the guy has it or he doesn't. And he's got the instincts to play the linebacker position. And he's aggressive. And, uh, you know, it's, it's what you expect. And really, he's, he's really helped the defense tremendously. And uh, he really stands out out there. And the young kid, Davion Taylor, I, I see a lot of the same qualities with him. But he's got a lot to learn about formations and about, you know, what teams are trying to do. And um, like uh, on, on the play, I know I, I saw the play that um, – they ran against them um, a couple weeks ago uh, with the game on the line. You know, they ran a play, uh, the Chargers, which was kind of designed at him because they had the tight end from the other side who was off the ball. They had him come behind the line of scrimmage yeah. Yeah. and leak out uh, on one of the big plays that really kind of sealed that game. And he should he should remember that because they're going to see he's going to see that again. Uh, might might be a year from now in a big play, but. I really like the way he's going, too. I think he's got the, the capabilities of being a quality linebacker as well in the NFL. Gee, I do remember watching you play, uh, certainly with the Eagles, uh, your three years here. And you were a guy who was not afraid to lay the wood. And as Johnny correctly pointed out, they're trying to legislate that out of the National Football League, which I know you wouldn't have liked. I, I don't necessarily like because I'm an old school football fan. But you were also an emotional player, uh, more so physical than emotional. But you used your emotions to get you up for games, to get ready to play. And you certainly showed that on the field. That's another thing the NFL is trying to legislate out of the game. These taunting calls on a week in, week out basis just annoy me to no end as a former player. What would you have done? Would you have tried to talk to the coaches? Would you have... Try to talk. All right, listen, guys, they're calling this crap, so we have to react to it. Would you have taken your chances? How would you handle this new wrinkle of the, the no NFL, no fun league taking taunting to the level that they are? Well, well, years ago, you know, you wouldn't necessarily, you know, do things in front of the refs, but you would get a guy back. You know, if a guy did something to you, you'd be patient. You'd catch him at the right time in a pile and hit him, you know, in the gut or below her, you know, below that, you know, and uh, hit him in weak spots and uh, and let him lie there at, at when, the, when the guys would come out, what's wrong with him, whatever, you know what's <laughs> wrong with him. He, he got hit in a bad place. And so you get the other guys back. But, you know, the thing with the taunting, they really don't want, you know, guys to – uh, where something's going to wind up blowing up. That's what they're really concerned about, is that somebody's going to start something and you're going to end up with a fight out there on the field. And, and they really don't want that type of thing. And uh, the, the refs really, they're not crazy about it because it's tough to call. I mean, when are you going to call that? And are you going to, a lot of times you're going to catch the second guy who, who says something, yeah. you know, and they just don't want, it, it looking we're after every play and you know this is a this is a generation that's different than the one you know that I played in they want to celebrate everything I mean <laughs> <laughs> so they're trying to get a, a hold of it and uh you know I know a lot of the guys that are that are sitting in there in the meetings about this and talking about it and they don't really know what to do about it they just don't want things to get out of control they want the refs to be able to control things so they don't have a melee. That's really what they're trying to, to, to make sure that it doesn't happen. Because 
what happens is somebody says something somebody doesn't like, you know, uh, they're going to remember it. And then all of a sudden you have, let's say, a few um, verbal things that are going on. Then all of a sudden it blows up and you got a, a fight going on where you got two teams going at it. It wouldn't be good for the league. It's something they don't want. And that's what they're really guarding because they don't want, you know, guys to continue saying things to each other all the time. And then it builds up and, and somebody just l- loses it. And, you know, if you have some of these guys lose it, you could have some really ugly things happen. So that's what it's really about. But it's it's difficult to say, you know, when, because – you know, there's sometimes, of course, with some of the, the hits on the quarterback, you know, they want to protect the quarterback. You know why they want to protect the quarterback. It's not personal. It's business. Yeah. And they're paying these quarterbacks, you know, big money. Uh, they want to have an exciting game where they're scoring and everything. So that's why, you know, they've made a lot of these decisions. And I feel sorry for him. I mean, you know, I, I know John Runyon, he's, he's got a <laughs> – uh, he had, has a hand in deciding on the fines and, you know, making sure all that goes through and all that. So, you know, you got that going on. And then, you know, Troy Vincent has got a hand in a lot of yeah. this stuff. And they're, they're in a tough situation, but they want everybody to enjoy the game. They want people to enjoy the game, but they don't want things to get out of hand and it to be, you know, the simmering be, that's uh, underneath everything. And then all of a sudden you got this blow up that was kind of building. Uh, they want to cut it off by, uh, by giving out penalties and that sort of thing. So I, I mean, I don't like it because at times, you know, you, you give it to the wrong guy and it's something over something like, what could he have said that bad? But the reason they're doing this, they don't want, like I said, that melee. So they no. want to avoid that. Uh, as a former defensive player, G, you know, you're fighting and scratching everything's against you guys in the modern game uh, on the defensive side. You just mentioned they know where the money is. They know who they're protecting. They want the quarterbacks out there. They want passing game. They want points. So you're fighting and clawing. You're playing good defense. You get a ticky-tack taunting penalty. Might be a uh, roughing the passer. Might be pass interference down the, down the field. How difficult is it to reset yourself in 40 seconds, basically, and say, all right, we got to go back out there. You know, third and 15 turned into first and 10. It's a tie game. How difficult is that for a defensive player's mindset? Well, you know, you, you really got to be tough-minded, you know, uh, right now with the way that they're, they're calling things because they don't let you really just go out and unleash because really, uh, you know, I always enjoyed the defensive side of the ball because you could kind of just kind of empty out any kind of emotion. <laughs> Uh, issues you have and that's why they had you know some of our guys weren't all there <laughs> but a guy could go out and and just unleash you know but you can't do that now you got to be under control or are you really going to hurt your team with uh, with penalties and so uh the, and then the passing game you know if you're a linebacker now you know you got to be able to run you know, if you if you got a linebacker in there that can't run, he's a liability uh, because they're going to do things. They're going to get him exposed. They're going to get him in a, a, a single coverage or just crossing routes. They're going to run all day long because he can't run with these guys in a small area. So you, you got to be able to run. You got to be under control. And 
the thing that the Eagles were having a problem with with the linebackers is you've got to be able to anticipate the route. You've got to study what they like to do out of certain formations because a lot of times they're running the route on you, even if you're in a zone. And if you're not uh, smart and be able to be able to anticipate where these guys are going, you're a liability. And, and that's what's been, that was what was happening earlier in the season with the Eagles linebackers. I tell you, they would just, they would run the ball at them and then they would take advantage of them and pass uh, plays. So you really got to be able to really study the game and you got to be like a defensive back a lot of times because you can get, you know, you're, you're a one-on-one for in that area with the tight end or running back or with the wide receiver. So, uh, the, the the teams that are the best teams have those elite linebackers that can run a four two I mean four three or four four and those are the guys that stand out and now that's what you've got you've got linebackers and some of these guys are they're just fast and some teams are putting their safeties really kind of in linebacker positions because you got to be able to run if you can't run now you're a liability all right gee I know you've been doing this football analyst thing for 25 years now but I want to take you back to your player mindset again with a okay. hypothetical question. Uh, you're on the sidelines. You're playing linebacker for the Denver Broncos this past week. You don't necessarily see all of the Darius Slay scoop and score. And you look up at the big jumbo tribe, which they now have in every stadium in the NFL, and you see the effort or lack thereof by Teddy Bridgewater in attempting to bring down Darius Slay. Do you say something to him on the sidelines right then and there? Do you wait till after the game? Do you not say anything because you don't know that that's your place? How would G. Cobb have handled the Darius Slay, Teddy Bridgewater, Ole attempt at a tackle on the sidelines on Sunday? Well, I'm probably going to say something to him after the game. Uh, You know, I I felt like saying something during the game because during the game I felt like, dude, this is football. Like, what are you doing? And I, I know he, you know, doesn't want to get hurt. Nobody wants to get hurt. But you've got to make that tackle. Because really all you need to do is grab the guy and you're going to get help. But um, i got to give Darius credit, you know, for realizing the situation that you got a lot of guys on the field that don't want to make the tackle. Even some of the tight ends, they were running after him but they really weren't really wanting to make the tackle. And so a lot of the guys, well, let's put it this way. The guys on offense are not there by accident. They don't want to play defense. And, um, you know, I, 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 would, I wouldn't have probably jumped in because, you know, you, you, you have a guy lose his focus, especially a uh, quarterback. Most of them are cowards anyway. But, uh, <laughs> but um I definitely would have said something. Probably, you know, years ago, if it was years ago, I would have said something to him immediately. <laughs> but nowadays, you know, everything is so, uh, you know, political or whatever, you know, on the sideline, you know, that everything gets out. A lot of things used to happen years ago that never got out. But now you've got social media and yeah. you got a lot of the, 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 the guys now, they are going to talk in front of the public. Well, a lot of things happen with us there would be fights on the team, different things that happened that never got out because uh, guys wouldn't, uh, but, but a new, number of guys would have went up to him and tell him, look, if you do that again, I'm going to punch you in your face. 
And and the number of guys would have told him that. We're playing a game and we're all fighting and you you're just kind of acting like you're you're not a football player. And um he kind of apologized for it and everything, but you know, for a guy to do that, that's something that sticks with the rest of the team and will make it hard for him to be able to say anything to anybody else. I mean, yeah, because I one mean, of the reasons yeah. that as a leader on the team that you play hard, you know that you can't say anything to anybody if you don't play hard because the guys are going to challenge you. They're going to go, what are you What are you talking about? So that's why in practice you got to run if you're one of the team captains. You got to run through everything. Because everybody's looking at you because you got to turn to guys and say, hey, man, I need you to pick it up. Yeah. And uh, he he really kind of gave up his leadership with that play. I don't yeah, it's know amazing really because people, people in Denver, it's amazing, Gary, because people in Denver are already talking about should they give Drew Locke an opportunity to take over as quarterback. And Teddy Bridgewater had been good. I mean, they had yeah. been overachieving to this point. It's a kid who almost had his leg amputated on the field. It's not like he's not tough. Yeah. Um, he he's he's a tough player. It's amazing how one play can change the narrative of a particular season. Uh, that is true. Cause I tell you, you know, if you gotta if you play the quarterback position, you gotta have some toughness because I wouldn't want to play. The guys, you know, falling by your legs all the time, and you know, a uh, guy can come in low and just just basically tear your knee up, you know. Uh, I'd much rather be the aggressor. And um, I don't know how that's going to work out, though, because that, that looked ugly, man. That was to just turn down even making an attempt, you know, and you you got a team. That, that was a big game for Denver. You know, they win that game, man. Yeah. That's, that's a, that was a big game for them. So, and that was a big was play. A big they were driving. Leaders. They were driving. That was, the, that was the crux of the whole game, that play. That was the biggest play in the game, no doubt about it. I mean, huge turnaround where they Eagles wind up scoring a touchdown when, you know, Denver was getting ready to score. Really, Denver, boy, in the red zone, they lost the game in the red zone. Otherwise, you know, they, they did a good job of moving the ball against the Eagles. But when they got down in scoring territory, they come out with one touchdown over, what, about five trips into the red zone? And you got one touchdown for it. And, and even got a blocked field goal, too. Yeah, yeah. G. Cobb, um, you played with a guy by the name of Randall Cunningham during your time here in Philadelphia. There are some traits that the current Eagle quarterback has that he shares with Randall Cunningham, certainly the ability to make plays with his legs. But they kind of said the same thing about Randall when he first came into the league. Wow, he's got some skills. Accuracy is going to be the question. Can he deliver the football accurately enough and surely Randall got better in his accuracy. I think it could even got better than he did. He had been coached a little bit better, but we'll put that aside for a second. But there are some parallels to be drawn between Randall Cunningham and Jalen Hurts, as far as I'm concerned. Do you see it the same way? Oh, without a doubt. You know, uh, both of them, you know, they're faster than they think because they both got the long stride. And you see a lot of times with Jalen, uh, and this was true with Randall as well, is the guy chasing him or the angle he's taking, he ends up taking a bad angle because he, he doesn't realize how fast he's running uh, because he's got that long stride. And, you know, Jalen has, he's got some strong legs. You know, we've all heard about how well, yeah. how much, uh, you know, he can do with the squat and 
and everything, how strong he is. But his lower body is very strong because he runs through tackles. Yeah. And uh, the big thing about the way he's playing now is the decision-making. And, and this is a challenge that Randall had and really kind of slowed down Randall's, uh, I think, his uh, his development as a quarterback because you've got to give the play a chance. You know, if they have a passing play, you've got to stay in the pocket, keep your eyes downfield, and give the guys a chance to run the route. And Jalen has, has the same, you know, challenge that, that Randall had, which is because he can run, you know, you can do it too quick. You can, you, uh, you know, abandon the play that was called, which is the, the pass play. You can abandon the routes and you can have a guy down there wide open. And you, you always pulling the ball down and taking off, let's say one, one thousand, two, one thousand, then you're gone rather than giving the play a chance. And you can see that they're coaching Jalen to relax there in that pocket, give the play a chance. And he's doing a better job of that. And that's going to advance him as a quarterback. Because really, as great as he is as a runner, if you're going to be a great quarterback, you've got to be able to execute the entire game from the pocket. And when you can do that, then your ability to run is an addition. Because, you know, if the play breaks down, then you can start scrambling and, and buy time and even run and get yardage. But you just don't want to abandon the the um, the play that was called the pass play, the route, because you could have somebody down there wide open. And if you give it a chance and then you use your ability, then you then it becomes an addition. It makes you even better. And you can see Jalen is doing that now. He's giving the play a chance and then he's utilizing his legs later in the play. And that's why I, I definitely, you know, see him and I see the Randall Cunningham in him. And he just he's getting better every game. I really like the, the progress that he's making. I think everybody can clearly see it. Gee, to expand on, on Jalen's impact on the running game, uh, and he's tremendous at it. I mean, other than Lamar Jackson, he's the best running quarterback in the NFL right now. But this running game as a whole has taken off with the shift of mindset from the RPO heavy stuff to some more traditional um, under center, even, you know, between the tackles, just as simple as that running Jordan Howard back in the lineup, Miles Sanders injured Eagles have a little bit of a, 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 a problem here. Miles is, is ready to come back. He's clearly the more talented player, but for whatever reason, they seem to be a better football team with Jordan Howard. How do you handle that? Well, this is a good problem. You know, you don't mind having this problem because uh, I don't see how you can, you know, uh, not make Jordan Howard a part of, you know, the future, you know, of what you're going to do this year. You know, he, he gives you that physical running back. You know, he runs hard. He's running over people. And he, he's just done a great job of keeping his eyes. He, both of the guys have been doing a great job of, uh, of running the daylight, you know, they made good cuts. They're making good decisions. You know, they're not dancing. Uh, you know, they're getting yards. They're, you know, running downhill and even uh, Boston Scott, you know, it's a good changeover because he's so small. And a lot of times you can put in a small running back and, and times you can't see him as well because he's behind the big mm -hmm. mammoth lineman. And be, by the time you see him, boom, he's, he's by you. So they're a good combination I got to see how they're going to play this. You know, 
you know, you would like to maybe, you know, give everybody some, but it's a good problem to have. You know, I, uh, you know, the fact that they're going to run the ball and uh, they could find different things because uh, I don't know, Miles, he's, he's not the best receiver. And with the screens, the screens is a big part of their offense. They've been really able to do some, have some big plays against the screens. So I don't know how they're going to play this, but um, it's a good problem. You know, and you can see the line. See, probably even more than the running backs, you look at the offensive line. They got the young guys up there. Young guys want to run block. Yeah. You know, they want to get physical. And so Landon Dickerson and Jordan Maialata over there, they're loving them when they can fire off and hit somebody in the mouth. So I, I, th I think they're going to get better. They're just going to get better because a line gets used to playing with each other and they get into more of a flow and you can see that they're getting better. And man, it's hard, you know, even as, as good as miles is. Well, real which, quick, Gary, you, you said dancing before this mile dance, miles dance too much. Does he, he's, uh, miles he's looking dance, at the home at run. Times, yeah, he does. He dances too much. And, and, and what they're doing is they go downhill, man. They're not, they're, they're hitting the hole, you know. They might take one or two steps and boom, they're they're hitting the hole. They're getting downhill. And Miles at times is looking for the home run all the time. And at times he gets caught back there dancing. So what do they say? If it's not fixed, you know, I mean, if it's not broken, don't fix try to fix it. We'll see how we'll see how Sirianni <laughs> shakes it out this week. Hey, right, that's, their ask about that's their problem. <laughs> I want to ask you about another problem guy on offense, and that's Jalen Rager. First-round draft pick last year, very disappointing rookie season. Oh, he's doubling down. The yeah. coach talks about doubling down yeah. all the time. Jalen Rager, worse than he was last year, if that's right. possible. Uh. But they don't have other options at wide receiver. John gives the Eagles a lot of credit, as well he should, for the depth they have on the offensive line. Where the hell's the depth at the wide receiver that they got to continue to run Jalen Rager out there on a week-in, week-out basis? How did the Eagles attempt to get whatever they can get out of Jalen Rager for the rest of this season? Well, you know, you see Denver, when they tried that uh, reverse, you know, everybody knows that, you know, they have tried to, you know, put together a game plan to get him involved in that way. But he clearly is not a good route runner. Uh, he's inconsistent when it comes to catching the football. And, you know, he has some, some deep speed, but he just can't run the, the entire route tree. And especially I know in, in comparison to a great route runner like Devontae Smith, he's really kind of been exposed to how bad of a pick it was, you know. Just um, I don't know what they're going to do with him. I, I don't see the need in him. I mean, because – you really want to give Quez Watkins as much work as you can get because, you know, he's still a work in progress. But you see the potential there. He's He's got good size and speed. And so you want to give him every opportunity he can. But you really don't have time for a guy like uh, Jalen Rager. And I I don't know what they're going to do for him with him the rest of the year because, you know, this whole screen game and everything, teams are going to know that's all you got to worry about with him. Yeah. So I think he's just going to go down, you know, you, you, you play him. Uh, maybe, maybe he can play DB because he can't <laughs> play wide receiver. You know, maybe you, yeah. you, you, you put him there, but 
Uh, I think they're just going to utilize him in the special teams and with gadgets and things like reverses and the quick screens and all that. But I just don't see much there. When I was out at the camp looking at him, he, he, just, he doesn't catch the ball well. You can see he's always double catching the ball. He's, he's not comfortable there, and he doesn't do a good job of, of running routes. He's not patient with the, the way he runs his routes. So I, I just – I don't see where the, you got time for him. I mean, you know, uh, maybe they could find – maybe he'd be a good blocker. I don't know. I mean, I don't see much, you know, use for the kid. And, man, you, you think about the those two picks. You got Jalen Rager and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Boy, really talking about missing. You really yeah. got some bad misses there. But. I mean, one of the reasons the Eagles can't uh... – can't bench Jalen Rager is because of J.J. Ortega Whiteside. Yep. I mean, they have nothing uh, better. So that, uh, but I do want to, the optimistic part of that, and I do want a last one for me, Gary, and mm-hmm. uh, watch Gary on Fox 29. You can read him in his own website, gcob.com. But Devontae Smith, you mentioned his route running as a rookie. I have, I've been around this league for a long time. You've been around it longer. I don't see many rookie receivers who come in and run routes like he can run. And, oh, by the way, he's 166 pounds, and somehow he's the best run-blocking wide receiver on this team. He's he's a special player. Well, you know, I, I've, I've been around guys like that. You know, even in, in basketball, uh, I have, uh, you know, in, when I was a kid playing basketball, you see these guys that are real skinny, but that doesn't – you don't realize how strong a guy is. See, yeah. And that's where he's deceptive. You know, I don't know. Uh, I don't want to get all deep in it. Maybe he's got heavy bones or whatever it is. <laughs> but he's stronger than he looks. And uh, that's why, you know, he's kind of deceptive. And a lot of the guys that play against him, they find that out uh, when, when they play against him, how strong he is. Like he was able to come down with that ball on Sunday, that 50-50 ball on the first touchdown. You know, he, he does that. And you notice that Jalen Rager, he never comes down with the ball. I mean, that's another problem. But, but um, he, and the kid is patient. You know, as a route runner, a lot of times a, a, um, a receiver is so frantic about getting this opportunity to catch the ball. And a lot of times it's like this with, with running backs. They don't give you a chance to take the fake. They're, they're running it so fast. Because they think they're going to get an opportunity to catch the ball. So they're frantic about it. He's very cool. He gives you a chance to take the bait. You know, he runs his route. He'll give you plenty of chance to take the bait. And because of that, that, that the calmness he has, that's that the best route runners are, are those type of guys. It, it's almost like they got a clock in their head. They know how much time they have to get open. And they just get open at the end of the route. They'll let you kind of be with them during the route. But at the end of the route, that's when they kind of take advantage of because they get you kind of relaxed like you got them covered. And then all of a sudden they make a move. So he's got all those things. And usually you only see that in veteran receivers. That's what's really uh, surprising about him because if you see a guy that's a great route runner, usually it's a guy that's been around the league a little while. But for him to come in the league and be able to run routes like that is is really um, shocking. And it's the reason he he won the Heisman Trophy and – He's the reason that the Eagles got they, – they made the right move in getting this kid because he's going to be – somebody's going to be open for about 10 to 15 years. He'll be open 
you know, he'll always be open. All right, G, last one for me. And you reminded me of uh, my favorite G Cobbism with your big boned comment <laughs> on uh, Damien, on uh, Devontae Smith. Uh, I'm doing a show with G and we're talking about a player. And he said, well, he's got the Dunlap build. And I said, Dunlap? <laughs> what do you mean by Dunlap build? Well, his belly Dunlapped over his belt at this point. Uh, I I think of that when I see Nate Herbig on a week in week out basis. Is that just his build, or it could? And and Herbig's a great little player. You stick him in; he doesn't hurt you. He's never going to be a star starter in this league, but he's a solid backup and the like. But I look at him; he looks like the Pillsbury Doughboy. Is he yeah. one of those G Cobb Dunlap guys, or is that just him? Well, he, he's one of those guys. He, he, without a doubt, it'll probably get even get bigger as he as he stays in the league. While you know, and then he's telling the coach, you know, I'm I'm losing weight, coach. I'm doing. I'm really. I'm getting trimming now, until he comes in there. And uh, you know, I always used to see. I mean, when um, we would come in in the locker room, you always want to get in there and get your shower before those offensive linemen get in there because <clears throat> there's some stuff you you don't want to see. You know? <laughs> in fact, we had a guy. He was, you know, he was one of our, you know, uh, well, he was a black player. <clears throat> I'm not gonna give his name, but his nickname was Mudslide. Okay. Ooh. Now, what do you think he looked like? Yeah. <laughs> I got. I the got, nickname I, was Mudslide. That's I mean, a word anyway. picture I don't want to remember, G Cop. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> but you know, the the big lineman though. Um, a lot of times, you know, they, 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 they don't have the body that you want to see. And uh, but as long as they were doing the job, hey, they were your brother and you loved them, and they're doing their job because, uh, you know, you really need you needed them when they when the game was on the line. You, you know, they're keeping guys off your quarterback and they're blocking guys. So uh, we we always had fun with it, and that's really the thing you, that that I uh, miss about the game is that uh, you really develop great relationships. And you have a lot of fun. It, it allows you to be a kid for uh, whatever, a decade or so uh, longer until you got to well, get serious and, and go out and really start doing work. You could uh, have fun with the guys. but uh, uh, and, and that's that's the thing all the players always uh, talk about is they, they miss the locker room because it's no holes barred and guys are jabbing each other all the time and everybody's laughing. And, uh, and, and that's one of the things you see. The Eagles look like they've got a, a good close team and uh, I think they're going to just get better and better. And, you know, it's not out of the question for these guys to uh, be standing around at the end of the season. So, uh, in, you know, and in the playoffs, because they don't have a hard stretch. And if they keep playing and improving as they have been, they could have some good things happen this season. G. Cobb Dunlap, the decade in the National Football League, having fun with his teammates. He now does the analysis for Fox 29. And when we ask him, he joins us here on Birds 365. G, good to catch up, brother. Appreciate it greatly. We'll get you back on down the road. Sounds good. You guys have a great one. That I is uh, Gary Cobb here with us on Birds 365. Always like to get a former player's perspective on things. A little different than us guys who never actually played the game. Uh, so it's good to get a guy like G Cobb on when we can. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We are coming right back here on Birds 365.
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Basketball is part of how we grew up in this city. And every morning, IBEW Local 98 members take their best shot building this city, rescuing our community from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are, like the Hawks who will never die. Local 98 members love tradition. John Doherty. Business manager of Local 98 says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. With John McMullen, I'm Jody McDonald. That would make us the Mac and Mac Birds 365 guys. Uh, thank G. Cobb for hopping on. Always uh, loved shooting the breeze with G. Cobb. Hadn't caught up with him in a while. Glad to do so today. All right, uh, J-Mac, you're probably going to enjoy this because I'll probably play bad cop for a couple of minutes here. Yeah, while, I like that. While both of us sung the praises of Nick Sirianni uh, and the job that he's doing for the entire year and certainly his flexibility and the ability to not just have to try and hammer the round peg into the square hole. Uh, he is absolutely holding out his own water as uh, a rookie head coach here in the National Football League. But I'll say that this week, he might have his toughest internal task so far this year. Not talking about the opposition because playing Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Cheat offense and the, the defending champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they've had some tough matchups against the team on the other side of the field. But he's got an issue he's got to deal with in his own locker room this week. Miles Sanders came out last week on social media and said, I'm back well before he was ever capable of playing because he was on IR and he hadn't sat three weeks yet. But he decided to push the envelope a little further and let everybody know that uh, he's behind the physical issues that he had and he's ready to rock and roll and get back out there on the field. 
Well, there's an issue. The two guys who have been carrying the football for the Eagles have done a damn good job in Boston Scott and Jordan Howard. Um, so they need to figure a way to get Miles Sanders back into the lineup without rocking the boat and losing what they've got going good right now. They've carried three backs for every single game so far this year, several of which Boston Scott never got a carry, never saw an offensive play, special teams only, but now he's become a key element to their running game. Kenny Gainwell is still their third down back, and he's getting a little less time than he used to and a little less touches, but at least he is still getting some. How does Nick Sirianni make four backs go into three active spots on game day? And if he doesn't handle it correctly, he's opening himself up for critique. Now, this is part of being a head coach in the National Football League. You have to do these things. You have to make tough decisions. You have to try and come up with a way to keep people happy and say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. I'd have unrest in your locker room this is really the first time he's faced it john there if you can remember please enlighten me a really he's gonna do this with his roster he's gonna give this many snaps to this guy and less to the other i don't know that he's faced the critique he may have to face as to how he handles his running backs this week against New Orleans. Yeah, I'm, well, they've made some roster decisions. You know, they benched some guys. Eric Wilson obviously was cut. Did, did, did about anybody it. question benching Eric Wilson? No, no, that's what I mean. This is the most high-profile one. Um, Jalen Rager, a little bit. I mean, Quez Watkins has surpassed Jalen Rager, but nobody Again, cares. Did, did anybody no. question that? Nobody that was cares. A, John McMullen or even Jody McDonald could have figured that one out. Yeah. Um, this is one where, yeah, it it's clearly, as I mentioned to G Cobb, Miles Sanders is more talented than Jordan Howard or Boston Scott, clearly. Um, on the other hand, clearly for whatever reason, as I also said to G Cobb, the Eagles have been a better team with Jordan Howard and Boston Scott than Miles Sanders, uh, because in essence, that's been uh, the trade-off with Miles on injured reserve. I think the first part is pretty easy. All four are active on game, but it's easy to do that. I mean, you just uh, make a lesser player inactive. Everybody's on the game day roster. Ultimately, I think the way it's going to shake out is Boston Scott's going to be the odd man out. He's not going to play. He's still going to be a special teams player. Um, and you're going to have Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard carrying the running part of it, and Kenny Gainwell will stay in the third down hurry-up role. Ultimately, I think that's the way the Eagles are going to handle it. Um, um, from my, you know, Jamal Stevenson and, and Nick Sirianni, I hope they're going to Miles Sanders and saying, look, you know, when 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 the play is blocked for four yards, get me four yards. We've been talking about this for a while, you and I. Uh, Miles Sanders and Gary just said it as well. 
he's always looking to hit the home run. He's always looking to, 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 to kick it outside. He's always looking. And the amount of negative plays when Miles is in there versus Jordan Howard is pretty significant. Jordan Howard's always going straight ahead. So the best of both worlds is what you want. You want the, the explosive guy who can hit the home run, but is going to take what's there as well. And then you're good. You're good to go. And that's what the Eagles are obviously going to work towards behind the scenes. But, I mean, now they have empirical proof. They can take this to Miles Sanders and say, look, this group is is a great run-blocking group, even without Isaac Samalo, even without Brandon Brooks, because that's what Landon Dickerson can do. That's what Jack Driscoll can do right now. When you put them – in pass rushing situations where guys are coming at him at third and 13, they're not great as rookie players. So the whole team is, is functioning on a higher level when it's even if it's second and seven versus second and 12, even if it's third and five versus, you know, third and 13, because you're behind the sticks because of a lost run. Somehow you got to make Miles Sanders understand that. Hasn't understood that to this point, to be honest. That's why I asked you the question about the locker room. Uh, I don't know if he'd pick up on the reference, but would Miles Sanders be willing to look Nick Sirianni in the eye and go, wait a minute, you're Wally Pippen me? That I got hurt and I've now lost my job because of that? That's just not right, coach. I don't know that anyone has had that issue with, uh, like you mentioned, Quez Watkins moved ahead of Jalen Rager. Is that the would Jalen Rager even have nerve enough to say something? No, I don't think would. so. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, they're not happy. But I hear what you're saying. Outside the walls, nobody's complaining. Outside the walls, for whatever reason, you you and I have had this discussion as well. It, it's always – I can't put my finger on this. Miles Sanders is one of those guys who the fan base has embraced for whatever reason and think he's better than he is. And the other guys, they didn't embrace because understandably so. Uh, but Miles is a guy no, – Miles is not a bad player. I'm not trying to say that. He's a good player. He's a home run hitter. Right. That's the key. You, you answered your own question. Yeah. It's because he's a home run hitter. That's why the people remember the fancy 60, 70 yard plays and kind of yeah. forget the dances. Well, and yeah, the but if, if I use, I've, I've always used another outdated reference. You use Wally Pip. I'll use not quite as outdated, but I've always used Dave Kingman. Well, baseball players knew Dave Kingman had some limitations for the most part, but they love the home runs. Um, they don't see the limitations for whatever reason. I don't understand it. There's certain guys where I, 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 I don't understand why they latch on to. I've been yelled at for saying guys like Derek Henry and Christian McCaffrey when he's healthy and Dalvin Cook are significantly better running backs than Miles Sanders. I've been yelled by, at by Eagles fans about saying something really? which is perhaps the least controversial thing I've ever said in my life. They've latched on to this guy. 
I don't know why. Now, maybe that's changed over this past three weeks because they've seen it, what, what, what this offense is capable as long as you keep it on schedule and ahead of the sticks and you're not losing yardage and you're just gaining. Look, Jordan Howard admitted himself that he was getting no calls in the offseason. He thought his career might be over. This is not a dynamic running back. I, I compare him to Leroy Horde. We're going dated references. Le, Leroy Horde had one of the great quotes. He was like, if if you need three yards, I'm going to get you three yards. If you need four yards, I'm going to get you three yards. That's what Leroy Horde was. That's what Jordan Howard is. He's just a big, powerful back that's always going forward. And when you got offensive linemen that can block for that, it can look really good at times. But there's some limitations. The Eagles want to boast the, the best of both worlds, but they got to get Miles Sanders to understand uh, what he needs to do when the home run is not there. Here's where I'll follow up on something you said that not only don't I understand it, but it actually annoys me a little bit because I saw uh, an instance on uh, social media over the weekend, and then I got a call on my WIP show last night. Uh, buddy John Kincaid from 97.5 um, tweeted out over the weekend uh, with the way that, and I don't have his Twitter in front of me, but I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but I think I've got a grasp of it. Um, the fact that Jordan Howard wasn't used early in the season was criminal negligence nah, by the come Eagles. On, come on. It, it, those were his words, criminal negligence. Last night on my radio show, someone said to me, and shame on the Eagles for not using Jordan Howard at the start of this season, that they could have won some of those games and beaten the 49ers if they had just had Jordan Howard in the backfield. I'm not remembering anyone saying this in no, August no. or week one or week two or week three. I did not get any calls. We did not get any guys streaming in here with us. On Birds 365, let's get Jordan Howard up from the practice no. squad. How are they not using Jordan Howard? They've got Jordan Howard on the practice squad. They weren't even pre protecting him. You know, they've got the uh, practice squad protection so nobody can come and, and pick off a guy. He wasn't even in that group. They were protecting third-string offensive linemen over Jordan Howard. He was there for anyone in the league to go, yeah, okay, we'll take Jordan Howard. So if it's criminal negligence on the Eagles' part, which is ridiculous, um, it's criminal neg negligence on part of all 32 teams in the NFL. Yeah, he well, I got I got some of that because you remember when Jordan uh, came and played well um, and, and then Derrick Henry got hurt and everybody was like, oh, the Eagles better sign him to the 53-man roster. They still had another practice squad elevation i i said don't worry about it they're fine they'll be but they'll elevate him when they need to elevate him and that was after the second time because he was out of elevations then they then they did it there was no sense of urgency they didn't have to worry about it again this is a guy who admitted himself jody not not johnny mac don't yell at me don't yell at jody mac this is a guy who admitted himself he was getting no calls Everybody thought he was done. Now, I said back in the summer, and I I still believe this, Jordan Howard deserved to make this team over the summer. He had a good training camp. He lost weight. He knew his career was on the line. 
if the COVID rules weren't extended and we were back to the old rules, he would have been on the 53. He would have made this football team. But because he had the COVID rules, the Eagles could say, well, he's, he could put a veteran guy on the practice squad. They took advantage. It was actually good roster manipulation. Correct. They had the ability to do it. They did it. They took advantage of the, the current rules. And when they needed him, they plucked him. And he's played well. And and now you, you, you start to say, okay, we're, for whatever reason, we're a better football team. Now, part of that has, it's not just Jordan Howard. The fact that you have Jordan Howard now sets you off on this sort of thinking that, okay, we got to go straight ahead. We got to use that young offensive lineman. So it's sort of like a butterfly effect and it creates different thinking. Whereas when you have Miles Sanders, you say, we have a good, we have a good running back. We don't have to worry about um, these types of things because Miles can make something out of nothing and all that. And it becomes this sort of weird, crutch the fact that you don't think about doing things perhaps a hundred percent the right way and making all the parts fit together now i think the eagles have seen it have seen what it can do have seen what it can do to this offense have seen what it can do to help jalen hurts because jalen hurts is not a third and 13 quarterback now nobody wants to be in third and 13 we all know that we can all acknowledge that but if you're in third and 13, there are certain guys you want playing quarterback, certain guys who can overcome that. He's not one of those guys for the most part. You want to be in third and three. If you're in third and three with Jalen Hurts, you're you're in business because you can do all these different things. You can use his, his running ability. You can use the RPO stuff. You can throw the football. The offense is like, I don't know what's coming. Uh, the defense, excuse me. I don't know what's coming. Third and 13? No. You want Patrick Mahomes at third and 13. Eagles on third and 13 these days. Uh, I'm going back to the schoolyard. Everybody go long, and we'll get Jalen to pump fake it and take off and try and run. <laughs> That's your best shot at getting 13 yards. It's send everybody down the field and see if Jalen can run for 13. Um, and on uh, Jordan Howard, uh, Coyote Awasika, if I pronounce his name correctly, I never got that one right. The uh, Raven Clark, these were the guys they were protecting on the practice squad. That they would put the protection on them over Jordan Howard. So the entire league had their chance to take Jordan Howard, and nobody did. If anything, I think the Eagles should be getting credit for it after his return last year. Which, oh by the way, after he got, was cut with the Dolphins, and you remember how bad he was with oh, the he Dolphins. Was terrible People with forget the Dolphins. that. He averaged like 1.2 yards per carry. And finally, at about week 10, the Dolphins go, all right, we screwed up by signing this guy. Just get him off the team. The Eagles scoop him up. He plays a couple of games. I think he got seven carries over the two games that he played. He didn't wow anybody. No. But even after that, they said, Jordan, you want to come back to our camp? Nobody else is calling him. Yeah, they only, nobody was calling him. And he said, and to his credit, by the way, Jordan talked to us last week. He knew. Like he was overweight, he was playing too heavy. He knew he had to get back in shape to where he once was. He is much more explosive than he was in Miami. He did all the right things, and he's taken advantage of the second opportunity. But I do think, and you know, I mean, you've been taking calls for forever in Philadelphia, and 
It's a very provincial town. They're not paying attention to what went on in Miami and how poor that he played and just, you know, the fact that nobody was interested in the guy because of how poor he played in Miami and he had some goodwill. They're going back really to the first time he was here. And if you remember that, that was Miles Sanders' rookie season. And what happened is the Eagles started Miles Sanders. He was he was the running back one from week one, and he wasn't playing well. And all of a sudden, they had a committee approach, but Miles was getting the vast majority of the touches. And all of a sudden, they said, all right, let's try Jordan Howard. It was the Buffalo game, the windy game in Buffalo, if you remember that. He was great. And then he played Chicago, his old team, and he was great. And he he had won. He won the job. He he. The Eagles shifted with Doug Peterson. They shifted. Jordan Howard was going to be the running back one. <clears throat> and then he came up with the shoulder injury, the stinger, and he was essentially done for the season. And they had to go back to Miles Sanders. And, and then Miles picked it up and started playing a little bit better. That's what they're going back to, I think. He was playing well, and now he's playing well again. But he doesn't have Miles Sanders' talent. So the Eagles said, you know, they're still trying. They're still trying to get him to be the running back that he should be, to be the running back that some Eagles fans think he is. But he hasn't been that guy. And they're still going to try to get there. He's going to play. Here's why I'm having trouble believing that it has to do with going back to uh, Jordan Howard's first trip in with the Philadelphia Eagles. That was a whole nother coaching staff. It's Howie Roseman really. Well, dictating- I meant the fans. I meant, I don't mean the Eagles. I mean the fans. Uh, when they think, like when John Kincaid was saying, uh, it's what what was the term he used? Permanently negligent. <laughs> he's, I think he's thinking, I don't know. I, I can't get into people's minds. But when people say things like that, I think they're going back to that when Jordan Howard was good. Jordan Howard was a two-time Pro Bowl running back. Uh, two, excuse me, two-time 1,000-yard rusher in Chicago. Was a one-time Pro Bowl player in Chicago. He's a good player. Um, he also They also used him a lot. We know how running backs are. They get a lot of touches and, and you know, it goes downhill pretty quickly. And that's what it looked like happened to Jordan Howard. Um, he was, as you mentioned, Jody, he was not good in Miami, to say the least. Um, so, you know, whether whether you think he's the same player he was in Chicago or the first season in Philadelphia, whatever people think he's a great running back, He's probably not a great running back at this stage. And you probably, not probably, you definitely want Miles Sanders back in the lineup. You just got to figure out how to get Miles Sanders to understand every play doesn't have to be a home run. All right, two things before we take a uh, quick time out here. Number one, did he really make the Pro Bowl twice? No, once. Two, oh, once. Two, I corrected myself. Two-time okay. A thousand yard rusher. Thousand yard rusher. I was going to say, I, I don't remember him being that good for two years. It's kind of an indictment on the Pro Bowl where guys drop out and guys drop out and guys. Not necessarily that important, but he was a good player. He was a good player. He had he had one really good year in Chicago. I give you that. Um, 
here's what I see coming down on Sunday. And again, go ahead, pile on, Eagle fans, because I'm taking the negative spin here. All three running backs activated. There's a chance. I would bet more on all four. All four. Yeah, no, I don't think they're going to activate all four. I think Gamewell's going to be inactive this week. Just uh, my my read on it. Maybe I'll be wrong. We'll find, won't find out till Sunday. Uh, but I think uh, Scott, Howard, and Sanders will all be active. And they'll all get some touches. And at the end of the day, Miles Sanders will have two plays for either zero yards gained or negative yards. And he's going to have one 18 to 20-yard run. And Boston Scott and uh, my, uh, Howard will have – neither one of them will have a play more than a 12-yard game. Miles will have the biggest single individual run of any Eagle back, and then they chant. i got to get Miles back as lead back. He'll have the least carries of the three. The uh, chance are Howard will get the most, and Scott will get the second most, and Miles will get the third most, but Miles will get the biggest gain. And then next week, people go, are you not use Miles Ed? Miles needs to be elevated to the lead back. Miles gives us a chance to get into the end zone. Mark my words, it's going to happen this week. Well, weekend. remember, Jody, the Eagles have the luxury of the 21-day practice window. They can say uh, Miles needs some time. He needs a week in practice um, and not even activate him. They have some time to, once he's designated to return, which I assume will be coming Wednesday. Uh, then they, they don't have to put them on the roster. They have 21 days to put them back on the roster. Now, I don't think they're going to use that 21 days. They're certainly going to go up to Saturday. So we're not going to know if he's going to play. Now, you can activate them at any time. They might do it before. They might take their time. I will say the the miss block, Kenny Gainwell's the third down back, the hurry up back. It's been that way all year. I don't think they want to ship that. Now, he did miss the block, and that was pretty egregious. And one of the reasons he's in there, the main reason, is his ability as a pass receiver, but also his pass protection. Well, if he's not pass protecting, then you might be able to talk yourself into Boston Scott as the third down back or however you want to handle it. It's not going to be Miles Sanders. So you need the third down hurry up back. I don't think they're going to go away from Kenny Gainwell. Now, if you see a couple more of those plays and it keeps getting worse, then maybe I think they'll revisit it a couple weeks down all the All right, line. well, and I'm, I'm going to hold your feet to the fire and make the call right now. Oh, I think all four are going to be active. You do when... think all, all four will be activated. Where where are they coming up short? Because uh, if you're going to play four backs and you haven't played four backs all year, I haven't activated four backs yeah, all year. That's easy. Pat, think about all the players that never play. Patrick Johnson, Teron, Teron Jackson. You got 97 cornerbacks. They make most of them inactive. Davion Taylor's starting to play well, and both uh, Jackson and Johnson played this past week. Not many snaps, but you want to completely take them out of the mix? Well, uh, Davion Taylor, no. He's a he's a starting linebacker. I mean, he's 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 a big part of, of this team's defense now. Uh, but the guys who don't play um, – uh, and, and, you know, you have to look at special teams as well. I was going to say, that's another thing. They like their special teams guys. The special teams coach. Well, yeah, I mean, you have, you have to play the, the Andre Sacheres of the world uh, just because they're good special teams players. But I'm talking about the guys who don't get reps. So 
if you're talking about like this week, all right, who who was active? Uh, Sue Opeta, okay, who who cares? Uh, JJ is injured. Who cares? He might not even be healthy anyway. Um, Patrick Johnson got two reps and actually made a decent play, uh, but who cares? Teron Jack, it's easy. Boston Scott's a good special teams player as well, so it's not like you're losing something because he would be the odd guy out to me. Right. So you're you're going to sit Teron Jackson, give Derek Barnett that much more of an opportunity uh, to make a stupid penalty? No, it, I, I've said my. I'm, I'm looking at last week. From last week. Sue Opetta would be the easiest decision. He would sit. Uh, then it would be J.J. He's probably hurt anyway, and that's probably going to be the the avenue they take uh, because he's not healthy. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then I'm just going, so going down with, the list. You're going with just three wide receivers? <laughs> they only go with... No, Greg Ward is still active, oh, although me. you All wouldn't right. know it. <laughs> oh, I want, that, that's a perfect lead into break. I'm going to make my case. You know that Greg Ward was my training camp darling this year, that I thought he was still going to be an effective role player and have a role on this football team. He's had a role, rooting, cheering for his teammates. <laughs> That's about it. But look at the percent. I can almost guarantee you he is the number one guy in the National Football League percentage of touchdown catches for yeah the amount probably. Of catches that he, he gets. Was, he was a big part of the red zone offense early. He's got three catches, two touchdowns. How do you not get a guy like that on the field? When you have that kind of a percentage, three catches, two touchdowns, here's a suggestion, Nick. Maybe you play him a little bit more. Maybe or get Jalen Rager or, the hell off the field and get my guy Ward on the field for more than just what one snap a game? Is that what he averages on? About a snap a he game? He got. Uh, let me. Uh, he got six snaps in Denver. Six snaps. Six. Uh, JJ what, got one, and he got hurt on it. What a decoy he is! I'd say throw him the football, but uh, we'll come back and talk about that some more. He is J uh, John McMahon. I am Jody McDonald. You've got Mac and Mac here on Birds Three Sixty Five. <laughs> At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 
or visit us online at MessaLaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Basketball is part of how we grew up in this city, and every morning, IBEW Local 98 members take their best shot building this city, rescuing our community from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are, like the Hawks who will never die. Local 98 members love tradition. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way, the best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. You've got the Mac and Mac guys, Jody McDonald, John McMullen here with you on Birds 365. The win that they got against the Denver Broncos this week, not only beat the Broncos in their house, but they went out and kind of kicked their tails and checked off every single box and uh, played well offensively, defensively and special teams. So that's why it was as impressive a win as it was. But we're also starting to look ahead to uh, this upcoming Sunday's game against the Saints in Philadelphia. Before we go there, let me give you uh, one last thing about uh, the Eagles' win on Sunday, John. On the road again. Glad to hear you made your trip out successfully. Didn't get uh, – do you, like, suck wind as you're getting to your seat in the press box because of the mile-high air there in No, Denver? actually, you know, it's interesting. Um, on the way there um, – you know, I took an Uber to the game. Uh, they drop you off about three blocks away. So it's been a while. I haven't been to Denver in a number of years. And I was starting to think, wow, you know, this is pretty far away. I'll probably be sucking air. But everything's downhill. Now, coming out of the game, walking uphill, yeah, I was sucking some air. <laughs> well, you made it back safe and sound, and we're glad to hear that. Um, the Eagles get a W. And they improve to four and two on the road. They are road warriors, Johnny Mac. I've yeah. won four times this year on the road. But I can do the math for you. If they're four and six and they're four and two on the road, that means they're 0 and four at home. They have yeah. yet to win a game in front of the Lincoln Financial Faithful. I know that scheduling has a good deal to do with it, but have the Eagles lost their home field advantage at all? What I have so far, you're right. The schedule has been really difficult. Uh, San Francisco, uh, Kansas city, Tampa Bay chargers, pretty good team. San Francisco, not what we thought, but you saw last Monday night. Monday night. Yeah, yeah. They looked okay to me. They're yeah. still a potential. They're still, oh yeah. If we were Every... talking about the Eagles as a potential player oh, yeah. team in the NFC, you got to give the same to San Francisco. The problem with San Francisco is they play in the NFC West and they're going to beat up on each other, um, which happened Monday night. The Eagles play in the NFC East and 
boy, look at that Eagle schedule. So I think it's apropos that, you know, this is the week because they're playing the Saints and Jim Mora, the playoffs. Playoffs? Um, yeah, we could start talking about the playoffs. But one thing you'll note, I don't know if you saw, but the Eagles put up uh, Jody, uh, Nick Sirianni's post-game talk with the players. He was already, he already put it in there. We got to win one at home. He knows they got to win one at home. They got to figure out a way. So even in that moment, after that great victory, he was bringing up, yo, guys, we got to win one at home. They got to find a way. And it's got to be this week. But, man, Jody, you never look forward in this league. The players aren't going to bring this up. The coaches aren't going to bring this up. You got the Saints at home. And remember, it's Trevor Simeon at quarterback. It's not even Jameis Winston, never mind Drew Brees. And I see your eyes going, or Taysom Hill. Who cares? And then it's at the Giants, at the Jets, back-to-back trips to MetLife Stadium. Then you have a bye week, Washington Giants, Washington, Dallas. And Dallas, who knows where they're going to be week 18. So Trevor Simeon, Daniel Jones, Mike White or Zach Wilson, that'll be Jody McDonald week. He'll make the decision, I assume. Uh, Taylor Heineke, Daniel Jones again, uh, Taylor Heineke Heineke again. again. I mean – what? Come on. You couldn't put up the bowling pins in it. I mean, this is, this is the best stretch you can hope for in the NFL, where you know everybody's got players, everybody's got guys that can hurt you. From the quarterback perspective, this is as good as you can get. Here's where I raised an eyebrow at you in your little uh, rundown of the Eagles' upcoming schedule. I've actually watched the Saints play the last two weeks. Uh, Yesterday, I watched a ton of their game against Tennessee. It was one of the better games. Uh, The early window yesterday, ugly. Games were blowouts all over the place. So I zeroed in on Tennessee against New Orleans because it was a really good game. Trevor Simeon is not playing that badly. He's he's a fine backup i think and he can get some things but i don't think he's gonna scare you i mean if he does there's something wrong well does the jalen hurts scare the no, Saints? no no okay well then that's what we're talking about then. is trevor simeon uh well but i'm talking about it no I'm of ta- course he's not but in the game on sunday it's gonna be jalen hurts against trevor simeon and i don't think it's that great an advantage at quarterback for the eagles in the game well, that's fair, but I'm 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 looking at it more from the perspective of what the Eagles went through in the first half when they had that run where it was okay, it was Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes, uh Tom Brady, Derek Carr, um uh and 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 Justin Herbert. And the only respites you got were Sam Darnold and Jared Goff. And, and those and are by the, the two way, games, they won both yeah, those games. Those are the two games they won. There's yes. it's it, it, you know the formula is not hard to figure out. This defense struggles against good quarterbacks. I mean, that's pretty simple to simplify things. But it hasn't been that bad when they've been facing limited guys and they face the limited guy. Uh, and I think Teddy Bridgewater is better than most people think, but he was up against it from 
uh, again, an offensive line standpoint, not having both of his uh, starting tackles. And, oh, by the way, one of the guards was out as well. So they were down 60% of their offensive line. That isn't even that good to begin with. And now you're going into the stretch with Simeon and Jones and Mike White, most likely. But by that point, they'll probably be back to Zach Wilson. No, Wilson, I would by the time they wrote the Eagles roll around in the Jets, yeah, I think it's exactly. a good chance Wilson starts this week. The 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 legend of Mike White. My, yeah, that was, quick. The board that was pretty, quick. That was pretty quick. Pretty damn quick. And, and, and by the way, you know, week. you know, who knows? Zach Wilson's got some talent, obviously. The Eagles certainly think so. If they were, that was the guy, if they were going to trade up for in this past draft, that was the guy they were looking at. That's the guy they wanted. Um, so he's got, he's got significant talent, but you know, uh, as a Jets fan, I mean, it's difficult with young quarterbacks. Um, I'm Which, just saying you by can't, the way, by the way, a quick get aside, yeah. I'll let you get back to your point. Shame on Robert Solid. Did you see what he did yesterday? He got all bent out of shape because someone referenced Rex Ryan getting on his case. Oh, yeah, yeah. Coach, yeah. you're giving up like 50 points a game. You're supposed to be a defensive specialist. Yeah. Your defense is Swiss cheese. Don't be going off on a, on a, a guy who's being paid to analyze your team. That's his job for ESPN yeah. is to put forth analysts on the team. And he's pointed out the fact that you give up 50 points a game. Keep it to yourself. Don't be boiling over on Rex Ryan. What does Rex Ryan know? Well, he knows you're giving up 50 points a game. Come on, coach. Yeah, I I mean, look, these guys are under a lot of pressure, a lot of scrutiny, and they get upset. You know, you saw the flowers going over the head of Nick Sirianni uh, after the loss to the Chargers. He was fired up. I mean, sometimes that... Sometimes things get to these guys. There's no question about it. So you're right. I mean, he shouldn't be going off on somebody paid to to analyze the team. And guess what? You're going to um, you're going to hear about it if your team's not playing well, especially if you're and you're a defensive coach. Look at Jonathan Gannon in Philadelphia. Look at all the hits he's taken. Uh, that's just the way it is. But getting back to my quarterback point, Jody. It, all I'm saying is it doesn't get any easier with this upcoming stretch in this league. It doesn't get any easier from the quarterback position as an opposition than the stretch they're about to to start. I certainly agree with you on that point. And uh, both you and I pointed this out at the beginning of the year with the exercise <laughs> that everybody does. When the schedule comes out, the W's and L's, and we did it way back in August. Uh, uh, it was April, excuse me, April, when they released the schedule. Yeah. And then we did it again in August as we drew up toward opening day. First half of the schedule, really hard. Second half of the schedule, significantly easier. Well, it's pretty much played out exactly that way through the first 10 games. Eagles are 6-4. and four. Not terrible, not great. You're below 500. You can't say great. But seven games to go with very winnable games against teams that have lesser records than them. Now, that's not the Saints this week. <clears throat> the Saints are above 500. Yeah. Saints would be in the playoffs if the playoffs were to start this year, uh, this week, excuse me. But then two Giant games, two Washington football team games, and a Jet game mixed in there. 
Those are really winnable games uh, for the Eagles. So uh, that's why we're uh, zeroing in on them. Uh, let me get back to a point we made earlier in the show. And I, I want you to give me a legitimate John McMullen answer. Is not Greg Ward a better option than J.J. Arcega-Whiteside? Uh, are you really telling me J.J. Arcega-Whiteside's blocking ability on wide receiver screens? How's that working out? Every time they get the ball to Jalen Rager, he loses yardage. If J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is in there with him to help out on the blocking, <clears throat> he can't catch a cold. At least when you throw it to Greg Ward, he catches it, and two out of three times, he's ended up in the end zone. Why isn't this guy getting more snaps, Johnny Mac? Um, well, I, I would say it's not because of JJ. I mean, JJ only had one um, last week. Um, you know, about I don't think JJ or Thega Whiteside has a target this year. So I don't even know if he can catch the ball. Uh, I know it from previous seasons. Uh, and I, if you go back to week one, you probably don't remember, but the Eagles had all kinds of success on the on the bubble screens and the slip screens, and JJ got a lot of credit for blocking. For blocking. Yes, I remember and, that. And Nick Sirianni made a big point after the game, saying, "Well, at some point, we're going to have to get him some targets so people can't know there's a tendency um, that when he's on the field, it's going to be a, a bubble screen, a slip screen, a, a hitch." And they never did it. They haven't targeted him once uh, in the entire season. So I don't think that's the comparison you're looking for. I think the comparison you're looking for is Jalen Rager. Rager Should yeah. he be playing over Jalen Rager? The Eagles only play three receivers for the most part. And it's Devontae Smith, it's Quez Watkins, it's Jalen Rager. And Quez has sort of eased ahead of Jalen Rager as being the core uh, wide receiver too. Um, and Greg Ward has been comfortably nestled as the fourth receiver. Um, and he gets more snaps than JJ. I, I like the, your use of the word comfortably there, as in <laughs> they can get as comfortable as he wants on the sidelines. Yeah. But they're not well, running him out to the field all that well, often. Uh, it, comfortable both ways, both ends in that nobody's pushing him because they don't have John Hightower stinks on the practice squad. They don't have, anybody to go to and they don't feel comfortable putting Greg Ward on the field. I'm with you actually. You'll you'll probably be surprised. I think Greg Ward should at least be given the opportunity to prove that he could be better than Jalen Rager. For whatever reason they they want Jalen Rager's speed on the field. Look, it's understandable speed kills. We know that uh in the NFL Everybody's obsessed with that. Even, you know, he can add some things that Greg Ward can't just by, you know, running downfield, uh, taking a, a defensive back out of play so you can run some people underneath, all those combination routes. But, man, he's so ineffective. I, I, at some point, you know, we see it all over the league. I I, I know I've... I, I've told you in the past, Jody, that Howie Roseman, you know, gets a lot of criticism for defaulting to his, uh, you know, top draft picks and keep giving him second opportunities. I claim that happens all over the league. Maybe the Eagles are a little bit worse, but happens all over the league. Um, Everybody does it. But at some point you do have to, and we're, 
sort of at that crossroads at running back as well. What we already had the discussion with Jordan Howard. Um, I think we would have been at the point of the Eagles playing a younger player if they have confidence in that younger player at wide receiver. I think it tells you they have no confidence in Greg Ward, no confidence in J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, no confidence in uh, John Hightower, Keyshawn Johnson, not the Keyshawn, but whoever that other practice squad receiver they have. Um, They have no confidence in those guys. Agree on that front. And speaking of uh, speed, just going to drop this name in there now, and we'll probably bring him up once or twice uh, before we get to Sunday. Deontay Harris, John McMullen, from that collegiate powerhouse of where? Deontay Who? Harris, you big fan? I think Virginia. What's that? Virginia. No, um, co- collegiately. Oh, I thought you said Anthony Harris. No, Deontay Harris of the Saints. Oh, okay. Quick look I... up. What was his college football powerhouse that he played for? I do not know offhand. How about Assumption College? Oh, yeah, that's why I don't know. <laughs> you just explained it. Yes, I did. You he just was explained un- it. Undrafted free agent by the Saints back in 2019. Has already made a Pro Bowl. Much like <laughs> uh, Jordan Howard has made a Pro Bowl as a return man. He is one of the fastest guys in the National Football League. And because of the Mike Thomas injury and a couple other injuries, he's actually getting a chance to play a little bit for the Saints this year. And he's making some plays down the field. And this guy is one of the better home run threats. Now, there's a threat, then there's guys who actually make the plays downfield. Quez Watkins, uh, be real nice if catch the ball that hit your hands. This kid can get behind defenses. I know uh, Jonathan Gannon's defense is all about keep guys in front of you, keep guys in front of you. Be careful with Deontay Harris this week. He's a guy who really can get downfield yeah, and is a um, home run threat. Well, one of the reasons why I thought you said Anthony Harris, uh, but I was looking up the Eagles practice squad because I knew they had a third receiver and I couldn't remember who it was. So you have Keyshawn Johnson, again, not the Keyshawn. Hightower. Uh, you have Hightower and you have Deion Kane. Uh People might remember him from Clemson. Played a little bit. Uh, he was an indie, a big receiver, about six two. Um, now here's yeah. here's here's the question: If you couldn't recognize Mac McCain, can you recognize Dion Kane? No, no, not yet, <laughs> not yet. And by the way, when you say assumption, I don't even I don't even know where assumption is. Do you know where assumption is? Massachusetts, I can't even, yes. I, I can't even assume where assumption is. Very good. Uh, no, that would that would be in the uh, Commonwealth of Massachusetts. All right. See, there you go. Football I know he's power. like he's really short, Deontay Harris. A little guy, but he's got burner speed, and beware him Sunday. Trevor Simeon can actually spin the, the, the pig a little bit. Um, I've been impressed with the way that he's played his two weeks since taking over at quarterback. He's got five touchdown passes and no INTs. That's a damn good ratio. Uh, well, now and, I'm going to get, I'll be really impressed if you know this, Jody, because okay. I don't know it. Is he the first NFL player out of assumption? Um, 
something tells me there was another, but if you ask me to name them, I'd come up real small in that way. Uh, I'm assuming you, you're you seeing something that says he is the second player. From no, something I have no idea. It was a legitimate. Oh, okay. I, have, I have no idea. I uh, yeah. assume he's not, the first player. Not exactly a football powerhouse. Uh, they're, they're not going to be on CBS. I in the just, late I'm afternoon. trying to learn about assumption. It's the Greyhounds. Are they? The, yes, the Greyhounds. Which is uh, not... Uh, again, uh, I can't say anything about assumption college. <laughs> I, I wish I knew more. All I know is that... All right, where... here we go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now I'm finding out. It's in Worcester, Massachusetts. I so told you the Commonwealth on... of Massachusetts. I was good, at least right about that. Good on you. Notable alumni, Deontay Harris, Jake Jones, NBA Ooh. player, and Brian Kelly, the head coach at the University Notre of Notre Dame. Really? He's an yeah. assumption guy? Yeah. Uh, How about would, that? Would not have known that. But uh, be, I'm just putting it out there. When it happens on Sunday and this guy gets behind uh, the, the, the defense that uh, the coach swears never lets guys get behind him, just remember this guy's got flat-out burner speed and the ability to get deep. All right, McMullen and McDonald, we'll take our final time out day. Come back. I think we need to put on a bow on the show here for Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500, or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Basketball is part of how we grew up in this city. And every morning, IBEW Local 98 members take their best shot building this city, rescuing our community from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are, like the Hawks who will never die. Local 98 members love tradition. John Doherty. Business manager of Local 98 says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. 
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Coming down the home stretch here on Birds 365, McMullen and McDonald's give you for another 10. Um, I thought it was Assumption Greyhounds 365 there for a minute. <laughs> yeah, oh, by the way, uh, who is the leading receiver on the New Orleans Saints this year as far as yardage goes, Johnny Mac? Uh, is it Deontay Harris? That would be Deontay Harris, their top receiver with 407 yards. Uh, and a guy who I think is a potential key for the game on the Eagles on Sunday, Quez Watkins has exactly 408 yards. So he's got one more yard than Deontay Harris. But what Deontay Harris has that Quez doesn't have is a couple of touchdowns. Quez said, remember that great bubble screen that Quez caught back in preseason? And oh, everyone, yeah. This oh, was yeah. the beginning of the Quez Watkins era. He hasn't. Well, quite- he, had the, he should have. He had the 91-yard uh play that didn't get in the end zone right and the eagles weren't able to punch it in against san francisco that was san francisco right yeah yeah oh yeah that was san francisco with maybe the worst rpo they ran all year both uh miles sanders and jalen rager running to the right he fakes it to the right to uh, miles and then just runs behind him in the same exact direction Nothing like letting the defense cover both guys with one guy. <laughs> really, really, really bad play designed by uh, Nick. But that was eons ago, back in week two against San Francisco. Uh, no, I think Quez Watkins could be a key receiver, key element to the game coming up on Sunday, and I'll tell you why. Uh, Devontae Smith was great this week. Again, De- Devontae Smith continues to be great. Is going to be great for a decade here in Philadelphia and be lucky that Howie Roseman traded back up to get him. Jalen Rager, not so much. Quez Watkins, I just mentioned, zero touchdowns, and he had one gift wrapped in his hands from Jalen Hurts, and he couldn't come down with it. One of the strengths that the New Orleans Saints have is that they've got one of the best cover corners in the National Football League in Marshawn Lattimore. And they are not allow, they are not afraid to allow him to travel, that they'll match him up against the other team's best wide receiver and say, all right, you stop him, we'll figure out 10 on 10, everything else. If Dallas Goddard isn't playing and they not only put Lattimore on Smith, but they also look to give him help. And that's exactly what I would do if I were Sean Payton. And oh, by the way, Sean Payton's a pretty smart coach. Uh, we're not going to let the Devontae Smith beat us. We're going to get eight in the box because we think the Eagles are going to run the football. We're going to have two guys on Devontae Smith. We dare Quez Watkins Jalen Rager, out of mothballs, my buddy Walker as a surprise factor in the passing game. Uh, Jack Stoll, what, what do you have, two catches for four yards the other day? Was yeah, it- Jack Stoll uh, getting a bit. Uh, now, obviously, that changed because Dallas Goddard got knocked out early. So that'll be a big thing to watch uh, if see if Dallas Goddard can get through the concussion protocol in time because – they're going to have to get Tyree Jackson involved if, you know, if you're game planning, uh, Jack Stoll is not going to uh, put any fear 
and defensive people's always coming down the seam. It's been a good blocker, though. You got to give him credit hey, as a rookie. Per- perfectly fine as a blocker, yeah. but the Eagles may need him to do more than just block. Yeah. He did catch the ball when they threw it to him the other day, but they were rather short plays. Yeah, not he'll much, catch it, but he's not, not going much anywhere. jack for Jack yeah. after he made the catches that he did make the other day, which means somebody's going to have to come up and make a big play catching the ball for the Eagles. On Sunday, yeah, you have faith well, that Quez Watkins will do that, John McMullen. If I, you know, every once in a while, Nick Sirianni will bring his play sheet up, uh, up, up to the podium, uh, usually on Friday, and sometimes he waves it around, and people take pictures of it. I, I, you know, Devontae Smith has got a nice little section. I know that for a fact. Dallas Goddard's got a nice little section. I know that for a fact. I don't know. The rest of it's, you know, Chip Kelly-like. Let's just put it that way. The rest of it is is kind of blank, I think. So they need to get somebody else involved. Somebody's got, that's why I'm saying Quez could be a key component. If Here, the Eagles blank. are going to win That's this what I was doing. Blank. That's the rest of the play card. That's what I was looking for. Did, did that say Quez? I couldn't even see it's what a, it said. It says nothing. No. It's a blank piece of paper. I thought you scribbled Quez, please. <laughs> That's what I would write it down. Quez, nothing. please. If it hits your hands, please catch it this weekend, Quez. Now, that's in the passing game. The running game has been phenomenal. I mean, it's been phenomenal. And Jeff Stoutland deserves a lot of credit. I haven't mentioned him. I should have mentioned him. He deserves a lot of credit. I mean, they've been unbelievable running the football for a month now, for a month. And Philadelphia loves that. And, oh, by the way, uh, did we mention this? I know I mentioned it. Uh, yeah, I must have mentioned Maybe I did on my uh, WIP show last night. I think I did. Aaron Birds 365. Shocko shocks. Jason Kelsey missed a play. Yeah, he did. He was, thank God. Thank God it was only one play because that Nate Herbig, that Nate, Nate Herbig snap was dribbled back there. Yeah, not good. Um, that's why I said, has his belt done, his stomach done, lapped his belt. He just, he looks like the uh, Hershey Marshmallow Man when he goes out there. Uh, no, but he looked, did he look like he was dead on the sidelines? I thought maybe he had died. And then no. he resurrected, and they got oh. him off to the side of the field for one play. Well, I was and then, what, boom, he's right back out there again like he when always Jason, Jason got hurt last year, hyperextended his elbow. I mean, I thought his season was over. It was the play before halftime. I forget the game. I got to think about it. Um, and he was in such pain, and he goes in for halftime. You think, okay, Kelsey's done. It's another one. Chalk up another one in the historic uh, season of attrition on the offensive line. Third quarter, he's back out there. First snap. Can't move his arm. Can't raise his arm. He's playing center in the NFL. Um, yeah, he's a different guy, man. He is a different, different. And he'll probably just have another brace. It's hilarious seeing him in practice. He's like a RoboCop or something. He's got so many braces all over him. And Jordan Mailotti, you can tell, he's taken right after him. Jordan's starting to look like Jason Kelsey. Braces all over the place. Got, got the good brace action yeah. going. All right, uh, is today coordinator day? It is. Uh, Michael Clay, Shane Steichen, Jonathan Gannon, everybody's favorite. Mm-hmm. At least for one week, we give Gannon credit because uh, the defense came up pretty big. And truth be told, 
I'll give more credit to the players. I, I try and be fair to the coaches, but um, he didn't really change all that much. One like they came no, he with didn't. He took advantage like of, of, of the issues that the Denver Broncos had and deserves credit for it, by the way. Yeah, a little bit, but I'm going to give some credit to the players. Well, I would say players win in this league. Coaches right. can lose games. Players win games. And I think the Eagle players did uh, come up big for him and help win that one. Even Derek Barnett got a sack. Yeah. And it wasn't a bad play. It was a good sack. It was like a 14-yard loss. Because Garrett was one of those guys got a hand as the quarterback was going to the ground. Minus two. Ooh, that's a sack. No, it was deep in the backfield. Now, of course, he had to take stupid penalties, as he always does. But he did get a sack. So I got to give Derek Barnett his props, too. And he got a sack because Garrett Bowles wasn't playing. If he was, he wouldn't have gotten a sack. You take advantage of the situation. All right. We will take advantage all week long with you here on birds. 365. We'll be back Wednesday, Thursday and Friday leading into a key game against the saints. Yeah. The Eagles can legitimately talk about the playoffs after this win. We'll be saying the same after the game on Sunday against the saints. We got a lot to build up to before we get there. J-Mac, good to have you back, brother. Are you uh, COVID testing tomorrow? COVID testing. Tepping in. Uh, COVID testing tomorrow. And by the way, a little nervous because Denver was a hotbed of COVID. Really? Uh, yeah. They, How you feeling? Pat Shermer wasn't there. Pat Shermer, the offensive coordinator, our old friend, um, he was not coaching the game for Denver. Uh, he was on the list. They lost a couple players to the list. Out there, they were telling everybody to – wear a mask and you know because they had a big spike so fingers crossed i might be you you look good you got no bags under the eyes i i don't you're not sweating profusely under those cleague lights you got going now at shane mcmullen you should have seen the walk to the uber after the game i was that that i was i was even i said oh this is moist i did the shower when you got back to the oh oh you know it Oh, we don't need details on that. Gary Cobb already went mudslide on us earlier. I don't need to be thinking about McMullen showering. All right, anyway, uh, non-shower conversation tomorrow here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card, rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill